Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Kavanaugh. Will you please stand? Let's begin our worship this morning. Good. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, worship team. Good morning, Cavanaugh Church. How's everyone doing? Man, it's good to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here today, uh, today with us. It's great to have you guys back in the Lord's house, for us to be able to come together to worship and grow with one another, to have fellowship. And uh, we hope you've had some of that, a little bit of all that already, be able to connect with one, one another after a long week and, and just kind of catching up and then already uh, jumping in and worshiping the Lord together. It's great to be in the Lord's house today. If you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's great to have you here. We love our church and, and everything that goes on here. And there is a lot going on here from C groups to Wednesday night services and to kids' territory and youth group and all that stuff. So we want to make sure that you know all about it. So um, if you could, in the chair back in front of you, uh, there's a little Connect card. Fill that out right after service. There's a Connect table right out the back. We'd love to tell you where you can plug in, fit in, and uh, let you know where you and your family could fit in in our church. We would love to have you. It's great. It's great to see you guys. We've been praying for you all this week. Uh, it's, it, again, we believe that something incredible and powerful will happen here today. Uh, we believe that the Lord will meet us, and, and our prayer is, as a staff, is for us to be able to lift you guys up and that uh, His Spirit moves amongst His people, right? So that's how we've been praying for you this week, but right now we're going to, I'm going to ask you all to stand. We're going to pray with each other and uh, ask for His Spirit to move among our services today. Let's do that. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for bringing us all back together here in this place, God. Thank you so much for the freedom that we have this morning to be able to come into this place and be able to hear your word freely preached and be able to express ourselves in ways that many other people right now can't. Lord, we, we thank you for that. We thank you for that freedom. And Lord, I pray for um, our people today. Um, I, I just want your spirit to flow and move amongst this place today. Open our hearts and our minds uh, to the preaching of your word. God, be with Brother Will as he, as he shares the word. I'm so thankful for the time that you've been able to have with him this week in preparing for this message, God. Help us to be the people that you want us to be, God, so we can be a light to this world that desperately needs to know your love. In your name. Amen. Greet those around you, and we'll get started in just a few moments. Bring your doubts and bring 
just be overcome by your presence we do invite your Holy Spirit here in this place Lord we ask that your Holy Spirit will move and open eyes and tear down walls I pray that you will give us power and a boldness that we've never experienced before God 
we invite you in this place. You are all powerful, God. We know that you are here with us in this place. We give you all praise. We give you all glory. There's only one name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. We praise you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. First service freaked them out. They thought we were having technical difficulties there. It's not that, what that was. Anybody recognize that sound? Tornado, tornado. Anybody ever been in a tornado? If you have, you know the sound, man. Seven years old, maybe, Midland, Texas. Tornado came right over our house, picked up my swing set in the backyard, rolled it up into a ball, set it in the front yard. Uh, the house across the street from us, their roof was taken off. It's a scary thing. If you've ever heard a tornado, you will never forget the sound. Or if you've ever experienced the Spirit of God, you'll never be the same. I'm preaching in the book of Acts. My sermon series is entitled On Mission. It goes along with our C groups. Today, we're encountering some of the most important words ever written. Here in Acts chapter 2, we see the birth of the church, the giving of the Holy Spirit, and the power given for worldwide gospel proclamation. During our study through the book of Acts, we're learning what it means to live on mission with God. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission. And he has given us that same goal, that same mission, that same purpose, to seek and to save lost people. I love being a part of a church that longs for lost people to become faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And if Kavanaugh is anything, it is that. Our mission is to win people to Christ, to train believers to become disciples, and then to send those disciples back out into the world to make a difference for the glory of God. Our text today is Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and here's what I'm hoping that we will learn from this passage of Scripture. The Holy Spirit gives us power to accomplish the plan of God. Amen? Now, I'm going to read this passage. It's not on the screen. I've, I've, I've spoiled you, and it's always behind me on the screen. Not on the screen today. We are going to exegete the passage, that is, go verse by verse through the first 13 verses, so it will appear on the screen when I teach it, but I just want to read it out of my Bible. You sit there and listen, or you can look in your Bible that's in your lap. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived... They were all together in one place. That is, the followers of Jesus, 120 of them. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw tongues 
like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in different tongues or languages as the Spirit of God enabled them. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own native language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking to us Galileans? How is it that each one of us can hear them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But some mocked. They sneered and said, they're just drunk on new wine. Heavenly Father, I pray that the Spirit of God would speak to us today in our language, words that we can understand. Help us to understand the only life that is worth living is the life that we can have in Jesus Christ. Help us, dear Lord, to be called to be people of God, witnessing not only in our neighborhoods, but to the nations, the glorious good news of the gospel. I pray that if there's anyone in this room that is unsaved, they are lost, dead in their trespasses and sins, I pray that today they would be saved. For the rest of us, give us a purpose and a passion to win people for you. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, church, again, remember, the, the purpose of this sermon and what I'm hoping that we will learn is this. The Holy Spirit of God gives us the power that we need to accomplish God's plan and purpose in our life. A few things worth noting today. Number one, I want to talk to you about the setting of this magnificent passage of Scripture. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 establishes the setting. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, last week we discovered these first followers of Jesus were told to wait in Jerusalem. The King James says they were told to tarry in Jerusalem until they were endowed with power from the Holy Spirit. God said, you stay there and just wait. I'm sending my spirit, and my spirit is going to enable you to be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. So they had just returned from the Mount of Olives where they watched Jesus ascend into heaven, and now they're back in Jerusalem waiting for the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Now, Pentecost means 50th in Greek, and it refers to a Jewish feast that was held 50 days after the second day of Passover. Pentecost was one of three Old Testament festivals when people were to travel to Jerusalem bearing gifts and offerings. 
the feast celebrated the harvest and was filled with great rejoicing. Held in mid-June, it was the largest pilgrimage feast. It filled Jerusalem with people, with visitors. In fact, we'll find out people from all over the world, Jews from every nation, every tribe, had traveled to Jerusalem for this particular feast. The phrase, when the day of Pentecost arrived, literally means when it had been completely fulfilled. Now, are you, are you, are you with me? I don't, I don't want to lose our intimate gathering here that I'm talking to you. Here's what you need to understand. This was not just a day. It was a special day. It was a day that God, before the foundations of the earth, had put on his divine calendar. This was not just a normal Pentecost day. This was a special day. It kind of reminds me, or it's similar to the thought found in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, which says, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. When the perfect time came, God sent his son to planet earth. Before he created heavens and earth and mankind, God knew that that day was coming. It was a special day that he had planned. And so it was with this day of Pentecost. It was a special day. The idea is not that Pentecost just happened, but rather this particular Pentecost fulfilled its eternally determined destiny. It was a special, special day. Notice also the believers were all together in one place. Other translations say they were gathered in one accord. I can, Jason, I don't know if your preacher ever did, but my preacher would tell us that's the only time a car is mentioned in the Bible. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It's pretty bad, isn't it? They were together. One accord means to have one mind. You see, these early believers, these first followers understood the importance of them coming together as the family of faith. They had made a commitment to the community of faith, and nothing was going to get into their way. They were bound to come together. Now, I could, I could just stop right here and spend a whole lot of time about our attitude towards coming together as the family of faith and about church. A lot of people only come when there's nothing else to do. Or if nothing else comes up, we might go to church. That's not the way these people, they longed to come together. They looked forward to being together. And I'm so glad that you feel the same way. That today we're together in this place in one accord. This was obviously a value because we see it three other times mentioned in the first two chapters of the book of Acts. Chapter 1, verse 14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. 2.44, and all who believed were together. They had all things in common. And then in chapter 2, verse 46, and day by day attending the temple together. Together. We're better together. Reminds me of the young boy who had to stay home from church one particular Sunday. It was Palm Sunday because he was sick. 
When his family returned home, all of them had palm branches that were given out that day. And he asked why they had those branches. And the father explained to the boy that the the palms were because of, of Jesus when he came to town. They waved branches to honor him. This little boy didn't quite understand it all. And he said, sure, the one Sunday I skipped church, Jesus shows up. (laughs) Well, on this day of Pentecost, Jesus showed up. God showed up in a way like he had never showed up before. And it changed everything. There were spectacular signs. That's what I want to talk about next. The Holy Spirit gives us power to accomplish God's plans. Look now at three spectacular signs. These signs are audible, they're visual, and they're verbal. And the first sign is power. It is an audible sign. It's found in verse number two. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. The word suddenly means this sound came abruptly, unexpectedly, immediately. That's why I began this sermon with with that unexpected sound of the mighty wind. It, It didn't quite have the effect that I wanted it to have on you, but it was like that. Now, the wind in Acts chapter 2 was not an actual wind. It says it was only the sound like a mighty rushing wind. This can be translated as a violent, blasting roar, like the sound of a raging tornado. This roar filled not only the room they were in, but also the entire house. And verse 6 tells us it was so loud that it drew multitudes of people who were in Jerusalem to this location. And I want you to notice something else. They were sitting there. They were sitting in that room. That is significant because the normal posture for prayer was either standing or on your knees. The point is this, they didn't bring the Holy Spirit down by their actions or their intercessions. They were just sitting there because God told them to sit there and to wait for the Holy Spirit of God. And when the Holy Spirit of God came down, he came down unexpectedly, and it was all God's doing, none of theirs. The word for wind is also a word for spirit. So when I say wind, you say spirit. Wind? 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 The Spirit of God. It represents the power of God. When the Spirit of God is mentioned in the Bible, it's talking about the power of God. John 3, 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit represents the power of God, and it came upon them as a mighty rushing wind. The first sign of the invisible Spirit is extremely loud. It's the wind of the Spirit of God. The second sign is incandescently light and bright. Look at verse 3. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and it rested on each one of them. Now, notice the flames separated and came to rest on each person who was there. No one was left out and no one was excluded. I 
I've tried to imagine this. In fact, I've Googled it and looked at pictures and paintings of people who, who have imagined this and, and drawn it, you know. Here's 120 people sitting in this room, and this fire comes down, and it breaks off into 120 different pieces, and, and a flame is resting above each person's head. That would be quite spectacular, would it not? A flame that is burning, but it's not melting your head. It's not burning your hair. I wouldn't have that problem. But there it is. It's burning. No one is excluded. The flame is above each person. And it's fire. That's important because fire in the Bible represents God's purifying presence. It's first seen in Exodus 3, 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. It it, it was the purifying presence of God on the backside of nowhere that Moses saw. A bush burning, but it wasn't consumed. The flame was above their head, but it wasn't consuming them. It it represented the purifying presence of God. God was about to do something in the life of every one of those 120 people that would change them forever. He was going to purify their lives by moving His Holy Spirit into their hearts. God also used fire to lead his people. You remember the story in Exodus 13, 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. So you you have both the wind of the Spirit of God blowing and the purifying effect of the fire of God. Those Two spectacular signs are put together in Ezekiel 1-4, where we see God's power and His presence on display. Ezekiel writes, as I looked, behold, a stormy wind, there's the Spirit of God, came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness around it, and a fire, the presence of God, flashing before continually. And in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. The power of God, the wind of God, the spirit of God, the the presence of God, and the fire of God. And then we have number three, proclamation. The third stunning sign of the spirit is verbal. And it's found in verse number four. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance in other tongues. When all 120 believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, they started proclaiming the praises of God in a number of languages that they had never learned or studied before. The word for tongues means intelligible languages. These were languages unknown to the speakers, but clearly understood by those who were listening. Notice this was not a prayer language or an ecstatic utterance, but rather real language understood by people from other countries. How do I know that? Verses 5 and 6. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews. They were devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitudes came together, and they were, what? 
bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own language. The word bewildered means they were confounded and confused because they were hearing the praises of God in their own native languages. The people are particularly unsettled because they recognize that those speaking these languages had never studied a foreign language before. Look at verse 7. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? They were beside themselves, and out of their minds they marveled and wondered because this was a miracle from God. I want you to just listen to the responses recorded in just the first four books of the chapter of Acts, the first four chapters of this book, and how people were amazed and astonished at the work of God. Acts 2, 43. And all came upon every soul. Their, their jaws dropped. Chapter 3, verse 10. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. 4.13, and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. You know, you know, that kind of makes me wonder, why in the world, why in the world is Will Harmon not more filled with all wonder, amazement, and astonishment when I consider the mighty work that God has done in your lives and in our church. I mean, I, I ought to be confounded every day that, that God would do what he does amongst us. I should be praising God continually because of what he has done in and through each one of us by his Holy Spirit. This was really striking because Galileans were known to be uneducated and culturally backward. They were thought of as hicks and hillbillies with a distinct dialect that was very recognizable, like people from southern Arkansas or Louisiana, or maybe Van Buren and Alma. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Here, here's, here's the problem. that These Galileans struggled to make those guttural sounds necessary for Aramaic and Hebrew words. They were known to make errors in grammar and pronunciation, like some people I know from West Texas. Therefore, here's what they were called, okay? This is what the Galileans were called. This was their nickname, people of the land. Or even worse, they were called dirt people. So these Jews from all over the nations of the world were absolutely flabbergasted because those uneducated Galileans could speak fluently in multiple languages that they had never learned before. Insomuch that the response in verse 8 is this, and how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language the praises of God? And guys, let me tell you, when, when we consider the geographical areas where these pilgrims came from, it is even more remarkable and astounding. Check out verses 9 through 11. 
It gives us the list of where they were from. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans were even there, and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Church, listen to me. This is a list of 15 different nations making up three different continents. Amazing. It's a miracle of God. That that is the power and the presence and and the setting of God himself moving on them. And, And these who heard the gospel. Some of them believed. I'll talk about that in a moment. Some of them believed, and they went back to their own continents, their own nations, and they got on mission with God. They started spreading the news and telling other people. They were the first generation of believers, and the Word of God spread to every country and every continent. It's even spread to America, to today, where we have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ And it is our obligation as his ambassadors to keep sharing the word of God until every people, every dialect, every group of people hears the good news and has an opportunity to respond to it. And you know what? I I, I know the result of all this. I, I know how it ends because I've read the last book of the Bible. Here's how all of this ends, Revelation 7, 9, and 10. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could even number from every nation, from all the tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that exciting? They got the Spirit of God and they were so emboldened by the power of God that they shared the faith of Jesus. While these spectacular signs were unique and unrepeatable, we are called to live out their significance today. Some want to recreate the signs, but But the most important thing is that we reflect their significance. The signs are incidental, but the Holy Spirit is essential. Since the Holy Spirit gives us power to accomplish his plans, there are three significant truths we need to put in our pocket and take home with us today. What are the significance of this? Well, number one, the Holy Spirit has been universally poured out on all believers. In the Old Testament, God's Spirit would settle on selected individuals. But since the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon every believer at the moment of conversion. When you're saved, you're empowered with God's Spirit. When you pray that prayer, you, you know how simple it is to accept God's plan of salvation. It's as simple as ABC, you admit you're a sinner. You believe that Jesus 
is the only way you can be saved, and you confess Him as Lord and Savior of your life. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you. He lives in you. This fulfills what Jesus said in John 14. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells in you, and He shall be with you. Amen. I'm thankful for Pentecost because because of Pentecost, now I have the Holy Spirit. God is living inside of me. I've confessed Jesus as my Savior. The second thing that is significant is this. God's plan to spread the glory of the gospel to all nations comes through the church. It became the church's obligation. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Ephesians 3, 10 says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities, those in heavenly places. I think David Platt put it best when he said, the church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. Okay? Plan A, the church, to tell the world the good news. You are the church. The church is not this building, it's you. That's plan A, no plan B. Ever since the birthday of the church in Acts chapter 2, the church's mandate is together, together, to come together in one accord, to grow, to give, and to go to the end of the earth with the gospel. Significance number three, all believers are now empowered to be a witness for Jesus Christ. The meaning of Pentecost was not to encourage believers to have this this ecstatic experience for their own edification. I mean, it was was not about, oh, 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 that flame looks beautiful above your head. The glow of the flame of fire brings out your beauty. It's not what it was about at all. In, In fact, it had nothing to do with them personally. It was empowering them to be a witness for Jesus Christ. That's what Pentecost is all about. Because we have the Holy Spirit in us, we can fulfill the mission and the mandate that Jesus has given to us. He came to seek and to save the lost. That's our job. He he promised us last week in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the age, the end of the earth. So from our neighborhoods to the nations of the world, we are going to be a witness for Jesus. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power to accomplish God's plan. When the Holy Spirit fills us, Acts chapter 4, verse 31, gives us our task. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak with boldness. All week I've been reflecting on what Vance Havner once said. He said, we're not going to move this world by criticism of it. You know, even as believers, that's easy for us to do because we see so many wrong things in our world and in our country, 
and we can become very critical. Vance Havner said that's not, that's not what's going to change the world. Nor will it be conformity to it. You can't change the world if you become just like the world. He said, but it will be by the combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. You know what our world and our country needs? They need an old-fashioned revival. And a revival is only going to come when a fire is lit in our souls. And we begin to love God as he is warranted to be loved, and we love people as God loves people. So we've looked at the setting, the signs, the significance related to the coming of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me conclude by considering a summary of how people responded. We see two primary responses anytime the Spirit is moving and the gospel is communicated. In fact, I know that here in just a couple of minutes when I give the invitation, people are going to respond in one of these two ways. You have got to respond to the gospel. You can't remain neutral when the gospel is presented. You're going to respond in one of these two ways, and they did. Some people are receptive. Look at verse number 12. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? This group was open and wanted to know more. Their question sent them on a quest to know more about Christ. To be perplexed means they had some doubt, but they were willing to deal with their doubts until their questions were answered. You know what they were? They were seekers. They were seeking the truth. And right after this event occurs, right here in chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, Peter preached a sermon. It was a magnificent message. Verse 41 concludes, so that so those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to the 120 believers. They were receptive. Now, I don't have any idea how many listened to that sermon. Absolutely no idea. But I do know that 3,000 of them believed. Their hearts were open. They were receptive. They said yes to the gospel. That's one way you can respond. The second way is this. Others were resistant. Verse 13. But others, mocking, said, oh, they're just filled with new wine. The, the new wine was the cheap harvest wine, which was highly intoxicating. This group thought these, these people had started drinking early that morning, or maybe they had drank all night, and they were drunk. This group was closed, and, and they didn't want anything more. They didn't want to hear anymore, see anymore. Instead of being amazed, they chose to mock. They sneered. The word mock means they thought it was all a joke, using insults as they turned up their noses. Did you know that even a miracle won't convince a mocker? And so that brings us to the end. <laughs> and the end is this. How are you going to respond? Because again, you, you, you can't remain neutral. If you're in this room and you've never been saved, you've never, A, admitted you're a sinner, 
you've never be believe that Jesus was your only way to heaven and C you've never confessed Jesus as Lord of your life if you've never done that today you've got to make a decision what are you going to do with Jesus you can either receive it or you can be resistant towards it you can say yes or you can say no you can walk out of here with heaven as your home or you can walk out of here on your way to hell the choice is yours but you've got to respond you can't remain neutral so how are you going to respond man I just I just I plead with you <laughs> choose Jesus he makes all the difference in the world. I, I can't even begin to verbally communicate to you the difference that Jesus can make in your own personal life, in your family, in your home, in your job, for all eternity. Jesus is a game changer. Amen. Choose Jesus. But al along with that, we, we need to recognize and realize as believers, for those of you who are Christians, you've got people you really love and care about who are without Christ, they are without hope, and they are on their road to hell. And if they're ever going to hear the good news of the gospel, it's going to be because you care enough about them that you pray for them and you tell them. If you were in C group this past week, you were challenged to list five people, five people that are either unchurched or unsaved that you personally know. And, and I'm sure when, when you think of that right now, names come to your mind, people come to your face, people that, that you go to school with, people that's in your family, people that live on your street that you know don't go to church or you know are not saved. I mean, it, 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 I don't guess it's hard to realize that. Or come up. I, did have, I did have one man say to me, you know, preacher, I've been saved and in church for so long, it, it's, it's to my fault, but I, I don't know very many lost people anymore. You need to become a cowboy shooter like me. <laughs> Honestly, that's one of the reasons I go to these cowboy shoots because I want to be around lost people. We, we need to break out of our holy huddles. Now, let me tell you, your best friends need to be believers, yes. You, you need to assemble with other believers. You need to be together in one accord. But we can't neglect lost people. We need to know them and love them and reach out to them and have compassion with them. And so maybe right now you've got three or four or you've got five people that you're praying for that are either unchurched or unsaved. Come this morning and pray for them. Lay their lives out before the Lord and say, Lord, be with, be with my friend, be with my family member. Be with my neighbor. Help, help me, dear Lord, to have a passion for their soul. Help me to open my mouth and speak to them the good news of the gospel. But, but here's what I want you to know. They're either going to say yes or no. You might have four who say no. But there could be that one who says yes. And did you know, listen to me, this is so important. The results are not up to you. That's between them and God. All you have been told to do is love them and share with them and tell them the good. That's your job. So I can't think of a better way to end this service than 
all of you who are Christians to come down to these altars and lift up your loved ones, your family members, your friends, your schoolmates, people who live on your street that are unchurched and unsaved and say, God, please have mercy on them. I don't want them to go to hell. I lift them up to you. I intercede for them. Lord, would you send somebody today to speak to them? And oh yeah, Lord, I volunteer to go. Use me. Help me to be your hands, your feet, and your voice. Heavenly Father, I pray right now you would do something special in this room. I pray that the Spirit of God could be felt like never before. I pray that the wind of God would blow on us. The fire of God would burn in us. So much so that we have to open our mouths and speak to others the truth of Jesus Christ, that Jesus saves. Lord, if there's anyone in this room today that's unsaved, I pray that today would be their day of salvation, that they would come and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Lord, if anyone is in this room and they have allowed sin to enter their life and it has come between you and them, may they come today and confess that sin. Lord, for the rest of us, may we come today and pray for family members, loved ones, neighbors, schoolmates who need to hear the good news of Jesus. And use us, dear Lord, to speak it to them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to ask that you stand, heads bowed, eyes closed. Join me at the altar. Everyone who feels a burden to come and pray for lost people, you come. As they sing, come now. Jesus, do please fill us with the Holy Spirit. May we sense your presence every moment of every day. Help us, dear Lord, to be good ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Help us to care about lost people. Help us to love on them, witness to them, and lead them to faith in you. Help our church to be a light in a dark world. 
Help us to always exalt Jesus as we encourage the saints. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Amen. Don't, if you can, stay in here because we're going to end our service here in just a moment in a special prayer for the nation of Israel. Uh, I want to remind you, if you are a guest, please fill out that guest card, take it to the connect counter out that door. We have a gift for you. If you're a member of Kavanaugh Church, please drop your offering in one of those black boxes. C groups are going to meet all week this week. Some are today, others are throughout the week. If you haven't joined a C group yet, it's not too late. Uh, all the tables are still set up in the lobby. You can choose one that's good for you and uh, start attending. Make sure you get one of the workbooks that are in the back and be working along on these lessons. Uh, Naomi's friends, our, our widowed ladies, are going to have their monthly gathering tomorrow at Eunice's at 1 o'clock. Ladies, Bunko, Bunko Party, 6 p.m. Thursday. CC Riders, our motorcycle group, is going to kick their stands up at 9 o'clock on Saturday and take a ride. This Wednesday night in this room, our teens are going to be in charge. They're going to be leading in worship and, and preaching, so please come and participate in that service. Uh, I want you to pray for Israel. Israel is at war. I don't know if you've been keeping up with this, but they were attacked and they are at war. Uh, this is the Holy Land. I mean, I think God still has some special things planned for that spot on planet Earth, and I want you to be praying for Israel. I have, I have friends in Israel. In fact, there, there are church members who have families in Israel as we speak. Uh, I received this, uh, this uh, text this morning from a friend of mine in Israel. Her name is Tal. She was our uh, uh, travel guide when we were in Israel, became very good friends with Tal. She lives in Jerusalem, and, uh, and here's, here's what she says. We have been attacked in the most brutal possible way. Even in Jerusalem, we had to run to the shelters as the sirens went off. The Hamas rockets were intercepted by Iron Dome right above us in the sky of the holy city. Peaceful Israeli communities living close to the border with the Gaza Strip were attacked and taken by Hamas terrorists that crossed the border by the hundreds, shooting, murdering, and massacring in cold blood women, children, elderly people, and men taking hostages on Israeli soil deep into Gaza. Almost 2,000 are wounded, more than 250 soldiers, security forces, and civilians, men and women, are killed now. And this is only the second day of this war. Those that are saved are traumatized for the rest of their lives. This is not over. It will take many more days, weeks, even months for Israel to bring back the captured ones to restore a safe border between us and Hamas, to mourn over lost lives, and to go back to normal life again. Thank you again for your prayers and concerns. Take care, she says, and may God be with you. You know, I could probably stand here and preach another sermon. But can I tell you this, the, the devil hates anything that is of God. 
The devil's job is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And they are fighting a real battle over there. We might not be in a real battle. Our battle is coming, but right now we're in a battle as well. A spiritual battle. So let's pray for our friends in Israel, but let's pray for one another as well. Heavenly Father, would you please be with my friend Tall in Israel. Be with, be with the Rogers family as they have relatives living there in Israel. Lord, be with, be with the, the holy nation and the holy city. Your hand of protection be upon them, dear Lord. And help us to be aware of what is happening worldwide. Help us to understand that, that this, is, this is a part of prophecy. It's a part of history. These things are going to happen, but we need to be aware that it, it, it signifies the second coming of Jesus. And we need to be ready for that. Help us to have a burden to tell our friends and our loved ones so that they can be victorious and live in heaven with you. May your blessings be on that holy spot in our world. And may your blessings be on our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and God be with you. We will see you Wednesday.